You are listening to The Mallory Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. There it is. That's why it was so low. I've got to apologize to the listeners who may have just turned their headphones way up to hear the intro music, and then I just blasted them out because the intro music was way down. That's horrible. Oh. <laughs> Beauties yeah. of live radio, but horrible for the podcast listener that just wants to scream at me. So go ahead. I'll give you a few seconds here. Go ahead. Call me stupid. Okay. Good. Got that out of your system? Okay. Much better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my guest tonight is Bill Hauser of... I had... I. You are you have some long fancy title, but I know you for being the Ghost Box, whatever. I don't even know if you have a title for that. Bill, how are you doing tonight? And then you can explain to me, fill in all these gaps of stuff that I didn't write down. Apparently, well, I'm doing good, Jim. Uh, my name is Bill Hauser, aka Can Dewey, and I just like to say hello to all your great audience out there. So you okay? So let's take two steps back because we're gonna uh, obviously, like I said, I know you're for the known for the Ghost Box. But we're not doing that tonight, first and foremost. So if you're here for that. Stay tuned, because we're not doing that, but we're going to dig into the nuts and bolts of that. But first, I think we'd be not doing this conversation justice if we didn't figure out the three steps that got them there. So what got you interested in the paranormal? Well, it started when I was a kid. Uh, like, really young age, I started having paranormal experiences uh, back when I was, like, oh, four and five, around that time, and it just progressed along the way, and... Uh, I was seeing shadow people, and uh, every once in a while I'd see like a, it, hey, it looked like a hologram, but back then I didn't know exactly what I was looking at, but uh, yeah, it was a, a ghostly figure of an apparition, uh, especially Sunday afternoon, sometimes we'd go visit the graveyard after Sunday dinner from church and all that, and uh, something would come follow me home. So that's kind of what got me started in the paranormal originally is my personal experiences. So, I mean, you were young then, so tell, tell me about the first time you told somebody what was going on or what you thought was going on. Uh, well, I mentioned a few times to my mom. She was a little bit more open. Uh, my dad, definitely not. He he didn't care for hearing that kind of stuff. He thought it was just an active imagination of a young age of myself and uh yeah, my mom was a little bit more open. She kind of had a, a, a somewhat of a thought that maybe he's seeing something paranormal because she was from England, and over there uh, it was quite common to uh, you know in older residents and older homes uh, to have a resident ghost and that. So, yeah, she was a bit more open-minded. So how I mean, so did that fade in your life, or had you, or you keep having experiences, or how do we get? moving forward uh well a little later i started not being able to see them anymore but i could sense them around me i knew when uh there was some kind of uh you know something was just not right and so yeah i would pick up on my uh senses there my spidey senses so yeah it happened and then of course uh i went to some people's homes a few times uh after church and that and went downstairs into the rec room and uh yeah i started seeing things move around and you know all these kinds of uh experiences that uh you know just couldn't be explained at that young age so okay so let's well i don't want to say fast forward but okay so you're kind of still out there and then what gets you okay i'm just gonna ask the question so how do we get to the ghost box because that seems like a has to be some kind of moment of definity there well, actually, we need to really start with ghost hunting. I did that first of all. So I've okay. been doing ghost hunting for over 25 years. And uh, So wait, wait hold yeah. on. For, for the listeners out there, 25 years is before it was cool. I know yeah, I was I, doing I, it way back uh, <laughs> when tape recorders and that kind of stuff was being used and for EVP work and that. So. And uh, photos uh, were done by film, 35 millimeter <laughs> uh, film and that, so. And when he says tape recorders, he means one of actual tape in them, not yeah, to make you feel, have... not to make you feel old. But there's some people out there who don't get it. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have digital recorders, so yeah. So when that came along, that made it a lot more easier. Believe me. <laughs> well, it made everything easier, right? The uh, you didn't need to go get the film process. You didn't need to go find new tapes. You didn't need to do this. You didn't need to do that. 
Yeah, and you saved yourself a hell of a lot of money too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I look at some of the digital pictures I took, you know, in the dark, and I'm like, I'm glad I didn't have to pay for that because it's useless. Yeah, I remember getting a few photos like that. Uh, that just it, there was something there, but just to, to show someone, they just wouldn't. Uh, they'd say you know overexposure or you know whatever. They would have some logical explanation for it. Oh, everybody has a logical explanation for any kind of thing that you put in the picture. It's called Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. Well, back then, <laughs> it was shoot, point and shoot and hope for the best, I think. Of course, um, for those fun people out there, photo, you know, there's those people that say, well, Photoshop wasn't around back in the day. Well, the picture of Abraham Lincoln and Mary Todd was like the original Photoshop because they never had their picture taken together. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, well, mystery in itself, shall we say. So, well, I mean, or is it, or is it somebody that was had the two pictures and put them together and made some money? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway, so you started ghost hunting. How did, I mean, you did, because, okay, so this is all pre-internet, right? So how did you find these people to go ghost hunting with, or did you do it by yourself? Well, actually, I went out quite a number of times by myself when I first started, and then uh, finally I met up with some people, and uh, they took me on, and uh, yeah, we uh, went to uh, Vancouver Island, to Victoria, uh, went to some really interesting places there, and that's where I started to really have a better understanding of the paranormal, and you got to be with, uh, you know, medium psychics and, you know, uh, really uh, nuts and bolts kind of uh uh, that were really into, uh, you know, uh, documenting the paranormal. So, yeah, that really gave me some, uh, you know, a certain amount of grounding, shall we say, to understand the phenomena and so on. So, in the early days, because you had had some experiences, how did you relate to the mediums? Did you, were you, I guess, I guess the question I'm going to ask is, because I know, you know, I've had some experiences too, but I'm always kind of a little bit, I'll say the word, it's a bad word, skeptical of mediums um, just because I don't know, just I'm skeptical of everybody. I guess it's first, I guess we should preference by saying that. And then it kind of doubles down when you start getting into things that you don't quite understand, but you had some experiences like I, you know, like I said, I did. So did you take to that more readily or were you just kind yeah, of like that me, actually was... helped Jim, uh, those experiences of the younger years of my life. And then I, uh, had an experience in Ross Bay cemetery, uh, because back then I wasn't doing like things like grounding and you know like your personal protection, and I am somewhat uh, sensitive uh, to me as well. So what happened was basically I got the energy just drained out of me. By the end of that night, I was as white as a ghost, and uh, yeah, I definitely wasn't feeling very good. And I felt like that for quite a few days after, but. One of the people there, she said, uh, well, you basically got your energy zapped and you need to protect yourself, Bill. And so she gave me some, you know, understanding about what's that all about. And, yeah, that was kind of the footing of uh, grounding and protection that I started to do back then. And then, you know, that just progressed along the way. And, you know, I've developed sort of my own you know, uh, I would say my own style of investigating. And then, you know, now I'm an independent and, uh, you know, I do do a little bit of work with some paranormal groups that are out there, but uh, I tend to like to be by myself quite a bit. And then uh, the ghost box, well, that came on uh, back in T10. Uh, before that, I'd heard about it and, you know, I'd heard some uh, stuff uh about the ghost box and that back in 2007 and that that kind of got my interest but i hadn't really plunged into it back then until 2010 and then i uh, bought one and hacked it back then and that's basically how i got started once i hacked that radio i got one another radio and another and it just kept going and going so we'll get to the the hacking and all that stuff here in a minute I, i'm interested in the spiritual protection bit of it um, how has that changed from day one to, well, when you started, I don't know if there was a day one, it probably came gradually to you as you started kind of realizing what was going on till today. Oh, it helps big now. I, I don't have a lot of those kind of problems, uh, on investigations. Uh, a lot of times uh, I have people around me, uh, when I'm with different, uh, 
and there's some newbies in there, and a lot of times they get affected to some degree. And you know, you you mentioned about protection and that, so yeah, you pass on that information just like this lady did years ago. So it uh, for me, it's a lot more easier to go out there. And you know, I've gone into some pretty uh, hairy different uh, locations. Uh, you know, there was a lot of bad energy, shall we say, that's associated with some of these places. So. Yeah, people were, you know, I'd been attacked in the past and so on. So, another technical, well, not really a technical question, more of a, hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go back to technical question. The difference between investigating, because you mentioned one of those hair-raising moments being in a cemetery, being inside versus outside. I mean, we're all older now. We all prefer to be inside. I'll speak for myself on that one. You can disagree with me, but... um, Am I right in saying that? That you? <laughs> I don't. Even, well, I don't even know where I was going. Uh, with yeah, that. I, I still enjoy doing outdoor <laughs> stuff if the weather cooperates. Uh, here on the west coast, we definitely have a lot of rain in the in the fall months and so on. So, yeah, it can get a little chilly. That's for sure, and damp and so on. So, yeah, it's nice to be indoors when you can. <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I thought I had this great train going, and then I realized I don't know where I was going, which is really special around these parts. Um. So take me take me back to those days you were investigating with people, uh, doing EVP research back back then. Did you enjoy doing that? Yeah, I found EVP. Uh, you know, when I first started doing it with the cassette tapes and that uh, and the little uh, recorders. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I was always surprised with the voices that were coming through, and you know, you always you know. You always did a sort of a checklist to, you know, try to weed out any contamination ahead of time and and so on and, uh, uh, you know, those kind of aspects with it. So, I mean, doing, you know, traditional EVP work is not that easy. So it takes a bit of effort in getting those results. So I'll I'll be the first to tell you, we're going to, you're going to find out a lot about me tonight that you probably don't like, but here we go. Here's, here's, here's Jim Truth number one. I rarely hear EVPs. I just, I don't, I don't know. But I had somebody explain to me once that it's the frequency that I hear. I just don't hear them, which makes perfectly sense to me because I don't hear them. But, oh God, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was, we did a local investigation at a event and the radio station was there. They did it, we, they did it live. And so our team got to me, well, they told me they had EVPs, right? And I'm like, okay, play them, whatever. I don't, they played them for me, and I'm like, whatever, you know? And I get in this radio studio with the, the DJ, and we're talking about it because he was there that night, and we're going through them. And uh, for whatever reason, he hands me his headphones while we're in the break, and he's like, make sure this is the one you want to play. And I'm like, I'm not the person to hear this. You know, so I'm trying to pass his head, and now I just threw it up to my, and I heard it. And I went, and he's like, What? And I'm like, I had to, I'm like, play it again. I handed it to them. And I'm, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's fine. That's We'll talk about that one. And I'm like, it said it. And mm-hmm. and he's counting back, and we're coming back, and I'm just dumbfounded. I have nothing to say. I just heard, I finally heard my, like, I probably, it's the first time I heard one. So I made him play the rest of them that we sent him before I left. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, they're trying to explain to him that I'm an idiot. And I'm like, dude, I can hear them. I'm like, I just need $800 headphones. <laughs> yeah, well, your equipment is important, too. So, <laughs> I guess that was my, my point in this, that, A, there's a lot of time that goes into it. And I, I, yeah. I don't need to tell you that. But yeah. and, and, B, there is the art of the equipment that, um, that you do have. Yeah. Uh, so now that we've let's, – let's kind of switch into modern EVP because with – with, with it being digital, everybody knows it's a easier to flub. But it's is that is that helping people or is that hurting people because of the flubbing and the I don't want to say doctoring, but you can turn it up and do all slow it down and all this other stuff. I guess you could slow it down before, but it's really really easy now. Yeah, well, the types of software that you can use, yeah, you can uh, you can really uh, change the whole pitch and sound of an EVP, and you know, you clean it up, uh, do a little scrub, as they used to call, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I mean, 
to be honest with you, you still have to use a little bit of discernment uh, when you hear stuff uh, like on, you know, other radio shows. They'll have uh, EVPs by people and that. So, but you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, it's it's those kind of frequencies. Yeah, you're not going to hear them very seldom. Do I hear an EVP? But you know, once in a while, I'll hear a disembodied voice. Uh, yeah, that's happened, you know, a few times here and there, but. Uh, yeah, that's why you have a digital recorder or whatever it can pick up those lower frequencies. So, okay, so let's get into the, the ghost box for a little bit here because that's, I don't want to say your baby, but what's a better word for that at this point? Okay, so 2015 or 2010, I don't know where I got 15 from. That's always special. I just pull random stuff out of the air. You, you, where'd, you, where'd you hear the first one at? Because... That's the interesting part of all this. Well, actually, it was the uh, first time I heard of it. I believe it was on Coast to Coast uh, about 2007. Uh, there was a guest, and he had a, he had been using the Goats Box, and so he had some sample audio highlights and that that were played, and it kind of sparked my interest. And so I looked into it a little bit more, and then the name Frank Sumption came up. And he basically, he was the guy that you know, created the ghost box. So, I mean, radio's been used for a long time for spirit communications and instrument trans communications. So I thought, well, you know, this is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, a radio that's scanning, uh, at first uh, it was hard to comprehend that uh, uh, basically a receiver radio that could actually you could get these intelligent responses so i had to kind of wrap my head around that at first but uh yeah slowly it started to make sense and you know that's how i look at it today is it's got to have some intelligence for a response so when was the okay so you heard it in 2007 was the first time you heard one in person though until I had one in my hands and I hacked it. So when we say hacked a radio, it's basically modifying it. So I had a Radio Shack radio and I uh, hacked it. So it was that model. Uh, there was pins back there, so you had to count. I had some instructions. So you so had, I had to, yeah, I had to bend that pin so it would <laughs> do that uh, scan. But uh, you know, I mean, that was an earlier radio, so. It wasn't the best ghost box out there, let's say that. So you'd get a lot of fragments of the uh, remnants of, uh, like, broadcast radio and that, so. I'll never forget, we have one, I don't even know what it is, it was a, a newer, cheaper one, and uh, we're sitting around one night, and I heard, welcome back to Coast to Coast AM with George Nori. And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, hey, we've got paranormal activity going on that one channel, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. They weren't too thrilled with me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing about a ghost box. I mean, you're going to get a lot of one word, two words, and, you know, sometimes they make a little sense. But then you get those phrases, and usually above the scan, so when they come through, everything kind of just stops, and it's just like, uh, the, you know, the background staticky noise and the clicking of the radio, or depending on, you know, how it scans. And you get that, uh, just I call it popping out, and it's just um, it's quite amazing. I, I had to laugh though because that was quite the phrase that we heard. Like, because normally it, it clicked, you know, it doesn't really click, but it scans a yeah. lot faster than that. So for that phrase to be there, while it is traditionally normal to hear at that time in the morning, was still a little bit longer than the traditional that you get through. So, yeah, I, I found uh, it yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the odds of having that happen out on investigation? Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> that's the fun part. Okay, so take me back. I'm picturing you at, at a desk, like I'm sitting at tonight, playing with on, on a, with a monitor or reading these directions. You get it bent over and ready to go, and you turn it on. What, what, how's the first experience go? Oh, it was quite amazing, actually. It uh, when I asked some questions, I said, uh, like you know, I was just doing generalized questions, like. Uh, how are you? And it would say, fine. What's my name? And it would say, Bill. And, you know, those kind of questions. And then I'd get a little further down and say, do you know my last name? And it would say, Hauser. So, yeah, that that started to amaze me that you'd get these kind of responses. And then I asked, you know, how do you die? And it said, I 
with cancer. And that was kind of chilling to hear that when it said they died with cancer. So, you know, uh, I mean, what's the odds you're going to hear broadcast radio remnants saying die of cancer? It's not that at that particular moment. So the odds are low. So why didn't you put it right back on the shelf? <laughs> I mean. I was fascinated. I was completely fascinated. You know, you had some, uh, you know, real-time device that you could get some, you know, pretty interesting results. And, you know, I mean, you would use a recorder or, you know, videotape them uh, or however you like to record them. So you had some documentation. But then I just kept growing and growing, you know, and then, like I said, one radio led to another, and that got better, better quality sounds and faster scanning, more uh, precise. So how many radios have you been through now? Right now, uh, I have uh, 32 ghost boxes and about oh, four or five uh, ITC equipment, uh, meaning they, uh, they're they not really ghost boxes. They use them either uh, hooked up to recorders and that, so they're diodes, uh, the Rotoduff diodes, for example, and uh, I have a little gadget book. But basically, it's uh, fragmented sounds in there, so it sounds computerized, but it basically, uh, it's kind of like uh, the, well, the crater actually is the crater of the ovulus, but it was the early days of his, he had made those on the internet, so I bought one. And that one I found very fascinating, uh, because you know, the obvious uh, also has like a dictionary mode, so you have a bunch of programmed words into it. So I was never f- fond of that type of uh, system. So fragmented sounds, and if you get, you know, like I had my full name, Bill Hauser, mentioned on it. And, you know, I've had some other uh, interesting results from it. So that was definitely something I uh, enjoyed. It was interesting. So if a customer like you, how did Radio Shack go out of business? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. We Radio Shack uh, was not around up here in Canada. I had to go to Bellingham to get that uh, that radio from. Uh, it was a realistic radio, so I had to get that from Bellingham and bring it up. So it was a day out going shopping across the border. So, uh, yeah, because a lot of the radios that were available up here couldn't be hacked back then. So I had to rely on Radio Shack at the beginning. But, you know, along the way, I found ways of getting that. And then, of course, when eBay came around, uh, it was a lot easier to buy uh, ghost boxes and stuff like that. So, I, This is going to sound like a stupid question. Are we still making radios today? I mean, like, hackable radios, because I think everything's digital now, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, to a certain degree, those, uh, those older radios had digital... Capability, shall we say, but uh, you know, the tuners and everything. So, but uh, you know, I mean, those are more technical questions. So, to be honest with you, I'm not really a technical guy per se when it comes to all the, the nuts and bolts of a radio. I'm more like, uh, okay, it's, it's, it's more for me about the contact field, and that's more about ITC. So, it's your connection to the radio for well, better term. I have one more technical question for you because I know this one has been a hot button debate for, well, for years. Every time it seems I talk about a ghost box, this one comes up. AM or FM? I prefer AM sometimes, but most of the time I use FM. Any any reason for that? Uh, AM can work well in certain locations, but it's more acceptable to interference. So you get a lot of interference on it. So I prefer FM. And plus, AM has a lot of talk on it, normally. Yeah, talk radio, and there's more music on uh, FM. Yeah, that's correct. So, okay. This is this is interesting to me, obviously. Now, here's a, a fun one for you. How much, because I've heard you do these these ghost books on the other shows, and that's, that's great, but how much of that do you pull out real time, and how much of that can you come back through later and say, I missed X, Y, and Z? I'm sure it's gotten better through the years. Yeah, it's gotten better. I mean, I remember the first time doing it. It was actually with uh, Spaced Out Radio, uh, the uh, SOR, as a lot of people know it, and Dave and 
Scott there, um, he encouraged me to do it. And I was very skeptical on doing that because before that, uh, if I did a radio show, it was usually uh, audio files that you sent ahead of time and you played the highlights. And I was more comfortable with that. So doing a live thing there. Uh, so anyway, I looked at it very carefully and decided to do something that nobody else was doing at the time. I was in a car using my cell phone and communicating with Dave and no contact with the internet or anything and so on. And, uh, yeah, I was in an area that was beside an old school that was noted for its hauntings and that. So, uh, basically we started to do it that way. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing the amount of stuff that was starting through. And, you know, I mean, there's times where it got creepy and, you know, it just got really off the charts with uh, replies and stuff. And then, you know, people would ask, can I get a hold of my mother or grandmother or whatever? And so you try that. And, you know, a lot of times it didn't go through. I couldn't do it. But then there's times it did. And then as I did it more and more, it got better and better. And now, you know, it's it's not too hard for me to try to get a hold of loved ones. And they recognize their voice and the credence of their voice and so on. And, you know, you always record so you can play it back. So, now this, this uh, why not it's a straight white noise? Straight white noise? Well, you can do that too. I mean, uh, you can do that at the bottom of the AM channel. Uh, but the thing is with that, you're only going to get small f- fragments of words coming through. Uh, to be honest with you, it's not the easiest way to do it, or you can do the rocking between stations. Uh, that's another popular move, or direct radio you know there's different methods of doing those kind of things so or using an old tube radio between the stations uh uh, people gotten some pretty interesting stuff so yeah there's been different like i say radio's been used for a long time for communication to the dead so yeah i I just i was just wondering because i mean obviously that clean up all the Interference if you just use one, but I understand the the variables. I, I'm just fa- like I said, I'm fascinated by it because I'm so. Of course, I, okay. So here's hot take number two, Bill. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you'll you'll agree with me on this one or disagree with me on this one. The ghost box gives me a headache. Yeah, I would agree with you. It gives me a headache sometimes, <laughs> but you know, I've learned to condition myself to it. But uh, each radio, I'll have to say, it's totally different, so it has a different feel to it. So uh, yeah. that happens. So, uh, and I, I, I can understand people listening to it. It's hard at first; uh, they don't have that ear to catch those uh, smaller, lower frequency voices that come through. Yeah, we we were talking this afternoon about you coming on. You said you weren't going to do the ghost box. I'm like, that's great, that's fine because, like, I don't. Ha- I I mean, I do appreciate it, and I do enjoy listening to it in very small small samples. But I don't know if I'd like it in my ears tonight. So it's all fine with that. Um, yeah. But- <laughs> well, you know, now I I've done a lot of the you know for well over five years I've done the uh, live ghost box stuff and it's great I enjoyed it and that but I want to take a break from it uh, it does kind of wear you down a little bit uh, both mentally and a little bit physically I, sometimes I would be drained after a radio show a lot of people don't realize it so I'd have to kind of mellow out and you know definitely do your protection and everything and uh, yeah it's uh, you know to be honest with you, I, I treat the ghost box as a form of electronic medium chip. So it's like a tool. Uh, it's like saying putting the, the entities on a speakerphone, say, that type of concept of uh, listening. So everybody can hear it. So uh, Cat Ward from Paranormal Heart has a good question here. I'm just going to jump on it because you just popped it up, and I, I like it better than the question I had for you. So we're going to fit. What do you think about Faraday cages around ghost box? Well, I've used forms of, uh, of that uh, and, you know, uh, mask the signals and it, it does clean it up big time uh, and you do get stuff coming through. Uh, but the thing is, is a true Faraday cage is grounded, so you have to have a grounding to it. So I, I kind of created my own Faraday cage with a uh, 
neutral ground. So it's like your car with the tires. So it's a neutral ground. And I was getting some interesting stuff through that. So, but again, you're limited to, uh, a lot of stuff that comes through, uh, shall we say it's, it's, it's hard to explain until you actually start hearing it. And, you know, what I'm looking for is that intelligent response. So I, I've got to wander into this topic for a minute because it fascinates me. A large portion of my, well, not a large portion. Yeah, actually it is. As I look at the people there are Canadian that listen to this show live. And it has been that way for a while, and I can't quite understand it. As as a fellow Canadian, do you have any advice for me that makes the show more Canadian? <laughs> maple, mm-hmm. maple syrup, or should Put I a Canadian flag up on your banner or something, <laughs> or a small one? <laughs> That's uh... some hockey talk, maybe. Yeah, it never actually, hurts. Actually, I have some of that coming. I'm gonna. I'll spare you though. Um, yeah. Right before right before I end the show, I'm gonna throw a hockey hawk hot take oh easy for me to say um (laughs) um, so have you done any i don't want to say traditional investigating lately or without the blocks i guess is the where i'm headed old school whatever however you want to preference that yeah i have actually uh not right at the moment uh but i have uh earlier this year uh, i've gone and did some most uh, work, and then of course uh, I'm used as the specialist in the ghost box. So I use I do that kind of after the uh, that's part of the investigation. But you know, I mean, the thing is, I've been trained. Uh, you know, I do things and stuff like that for EMF fields and. You know, all these different little things, and then filming, and then uh, taking photos and stuff like that. So. Do you enjoy that still? Uh, yeah, to some degree. I enjoy, you know, taking a camera and, you know, you can do it different ways. You know, take one, two, three, and then, you know, if you don't get nothing in one, but in the third and nothing in the second. Yeah, I enjoy that or just point and shoot kind of thing kind of randomly. It's fun. Sometimes you can stop that way too. So I always went by the feel of how I felt when I took Oh, I kind of used a little bit of that intuitiveness of, uh, you know, feel the energy of whoever is around me. So she has a follow-up question here. Oh, she has two. Oh, she's killing it tonight. I may I just, just call her and let her host the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know, have you used compasses or Morris keys? Not Morris keys, but I have used compasses. Uh you know, more or less uh, as a standalone uh, gadget, shall we say. And, uh, yeah, they can work, you know. And then, you know, there's sometimes you get into some locations uh, where they start spinning around. I've seen that happen, and it's just, you know, unexplainable uh, why they're spinning around. So, yeah, you're obviously picking up on some kind of an energy field. Uh, you, you know, you try to debunk it or whatever, you know, can it be debunked or, you know, is there underground wiring or, you know, whatever. So, so or something, yes, like something that's being broadcast nearby or whatever. So, but yeah, they work quite well. Uh, that's old school, actually, compasses. That's old, old school. That's back in the 1800s, uh, late 1800s. So now I'm going to turn tables on Cat Ward, even though she can't answer us, and this will be awkward at best, but have you used the Morris key? And if so, have you had any success? I'm just curious. Now. Morris Key? Well, no, no I, was talk- I, I, I know you haven't. I was talking to her, though, because she asked okay. the question, so I'm just curious to see if she has. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. I, it never crossed my mind, and I, then I have to look it up, and there's a lot of translation. I mean, not translation, but, yeah, I guess translation works, of what you'd get to what. And has it worked? She said she's used one, so. Yeah, um, that's cool. I have heard of uh, people using induction mics, and maybe they were around uh, an old train station where there was, uh, you know, like telegraph uh, transmissions to that building or whatever, and they pick up those kinds of uh, codes and stuff that, you know, just sort of randomly come in, and uh, sometimes they can be to some degree, so. So, she'd got nothing. And of course, as you were, you mentioned induction mics, I was thinking about the parabolic mic that I used to have. Yeah. You know, you'd walk around with this, you know, 
That's more like an energy imprint, so the uh-huh. injection would be better to pick that up. So, yeah, I mean, a uh, parabolic mic, well, it's good if you point it in that direction, but it doesn't mean you're going to pick something like that up with it. It's really good until you find somebody who has a wicked sense of humor like you do, and they start screaming at you. Yeah, yeah, it's where be appointed, that's great. But uh, it, what I like about a parabolic mic is anything off to the sides that uh, you're not pointing, you don't get that background noise, so. <laughs> MLK, I can't ask that question if proton packs are any good. Yeah. I just yeah, can't. I actually used one one time, a really good one. There was a handheld model and it was actually used for uh broadcasting uh purposes for uh reporters in the field and uh that thing worked really well for evps so it was expensive to use so so cat words other question she told me she quit after this one um what what piece of equipment do you think is just what was the word she used hold on utter trash there we go well (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's some questionable equipment now on the paranormal market, shall we say. I find a lot of gadgets, uh, you know, there's, you know, the, there's stuff that works still no matter what. Uh, but the thing is, is, you know, you have to kind of look at, you know, the, what the marketing is behind it a lot of times and what the claims are and stuff. So. You know, I don't want to mention certain equipment. Like, you know, for me, uh, the obvious, for example, with the dictionary board, I don't like ever wanting to use that kind of thing. I'd rather use a, a, a radio that's a ghost box. I think your odds of getting something are a lot better and more intelligible, for example. But then, you know, there's other uh, cameras out there that claim that, you know, they're really good. So, I mean, who knows? So. Can, can I throw can I throw my answer out there just for the record for people? It's been What's a while. That? Been a while since I said this. Any any phone app. Any. No, don't use those. Doesn't matter what it is. No, I, I I mean I have experimented with them, but I don't have any faith in them. Uh, they can easily be manipulated uh, at the time of uh, the software writer and that. So, you know, I mean, depending on your phrases of questions they could you know come up with some kind of uh artificial intelligence to uh create a you know a logical answer shall we say so uh to be honest with you i'm not a favorite of uh as far as i'm concerned and those complaints go to bill hauser no. <laughs> mm-hmm. i did not I say, say that. i'm a radio guy so that's that's what i like to use so so in all these years of investigating, you've had to come across, well, you, you mentioned earlier, coming across some things that aren't friendly, so to speak. Um, are you, uh, see, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not worried about when I go investigating because my guard's up and I'm aware and do similar things. To, it seems like similar things. I don't know when you get deep into that, but there are times that, you know, when you come back, you know to take care of things. But when I go, you know, <laughs> I joke about this, when I go to Walmart, I'm more my guard's down and I'm not paying attention and more likely to bring something back. Do you find that to be the case? Uh, well, for me, it's like if I'm going to, say, uh, someone's funeral, for example, I find that very tough. Uh, not not the emotional part. You know, of course, that's sad in itself, but the, the spiritual side, shall we say, or the, uh, you know, I pick up on energies and uh, funeral homes and stuff like that and Especially at a time that you're grieving too, it's uh, you're, you can be more vulnerable to that, so are more sensitive. So, yeah, it, it comes down to really having to learn how to block uh, the best you can, and you know, take precautions. You know, uh, go home. You know, uh, I, I light a lot of incense, like I'm content at home, and you know, basically focus my mind and. You know, the old saying, put the white light around you from head to foot, God's white light, and, you know, things like that, and, you know, those kinds of uh, techniques. You know, I'm not grabbing a whole bunch of crystals or anything. I'm just, you know, doing stuff of that nature. And then sometimes, uh, like, a, a bath is works well with Epsom salts. Uh, that's a really good way. It's all etheric body energy around you. 
So, I've got to ask this question. I don't know why. It's bugging me, so I'm going to ask you. I know the answer to this. When they show EVPs on TV and they have what it says on the screen, does, does that EVP even count because they put it in your head? Well, you know, anything with paranormal TV shows, my thought is it's all based on entertainment, unless it's like a very down-to-earth documentary. Uh, but my, my thoughts on documentaries, it should have a certain amount of historical uh, aspects to it as well. And then, the you know, things that you catch investigating that you can put on there. But just your regular paranormal TV shows, uh, no, I, to me, that's all entertainment, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, know I've been, I, I've been ridiculed in the past, but I, I keep saying it's, it's, it's all for entertainment. Well, obviously it's for entertainment because they always catch something and they, they keep, they, okay, Bill, you've been on hundreds of investigations at this point in your life. Fair? Yeah. How, how many of them would make a good TV show? I would say probably maybe when you take it down, maybe about uh, 10. And then the rest are sort of, you know, it's sitting in the dark talking sketchy. to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times I have gone on investigations where you don't get very much of anything. So. And here, here's one. The ones that you do have something, do you have a camera pointed the right direction when it happens? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, yeah. okay, yeah, but, but you know, the, but, you know, the thing is, is uh, when you, you know, like for me, how I take photos, uh, it's more about the feel that I sense, and then I point the camera and shoot, and you know, if I do it the step one, two, three method, or you know, just randomly point and shoot, you know, whatever. So the thing is, is uh, yeah, it, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, the, those kind of things can easily be criticized as well. So, for our beginner paranormal investigators who probably aren't listening to the show, but we'll pretend they are for a moment, what advice do you have somebody for just getting into this? Well, to start with, uh, just keep to the basics, you know, uh, EVP work and cameras, uh, you know, like your point-and-shoot cameras to start with, uh, maybe move to a IR uh, night vision camera uh, or a full-spectrum, uh, you know, Keep it, you know, simple. Don't get into some of these uh, fancy, you know, uh, mapping cameras and stuff like that. I mean, to be honest with you, sometimes they can work very well, and other times uh, it's 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 a real kind of like a, it's hard to explain. But it's I just don't put a lot of credence to sometimes some of the the evidence that's produced from them. So our mutual friend, Everett Femer, pops up here that you were on a show in the Philippines. And how are those yes. shows different than the ones we produce in North America? Well, they only have one show there, and that was I Wonder. And uh, basically, I got invited on the TV show, and uh, I was the first foreigner to be on that TV show. And what they do is a lot of reenactments of, uh, you know, paranormal uh, encounters with people and that and so on. But they also do kind of like on-site a uh, little bit investigating with different groups or individuals uh, like myself, for example. We went out to a location that had a high rate of car accidents, and there's a lot of names of seeing apparitions and so on. So, yeah, I was in the uh, studio van. They had a van, and we uh, did, I did some ghost box sessions. And the lady that was... Uh, basically the producer and she kind of jack of all trades there she uh put a timer on me so she says i want you to get something within this time thing there so see a timer and here okay i uh i produced some uh things that came through on the ghost block so it was very interesting names and uh stuff and then also we started having some equipment malfunctioning with the camera crew their lighting uh portable lighting stuff kind of went weird and it would dim down and go up again and you know they checked everything uh the batteries and everything it was fine and then it would go down and you know i mean you had all kinds of little things going on that night so but it was very interesting uh you know 
when you're in another country to see their culture and how they deal with the paranormal and so on. So, yeah, I found it very fascinating. Back to Buddha for a second. How did they come across you? Just the Internet? Well, actually, I had a mutual friend that uh, was uh, involved with that uh, TV network, and uh, he suggested, why don't you, when you go over to visit over there, uh, why don't you just uh, give him a call or something? So ahead of time, I made contact with the producer and uh, said, I'll be over at this time, and didn't really hear too much after that, just thank you very much kind of thing for your interest, and then... While I'm over there having dinner, I got a phone call on my, uh, you know, I had a cell phone there, and uh, basically it was the producer, and she asked me, are you still interested in coming on a TV show with us? And I said, well, of course. And so she said, okay, uh, let's uh, arrange uh, for the interview part, and then we'll go from there. So uh, we went over to uh, the condo I was renting, and, uh, yeah, we did the interview part. And then after we went out in their studio van with their camera crew, it was only two guys. And, uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, Yeah, I found the way they did things over there was very unique uh, in uh, filming and stuff like that, so... That's the only TV show you've been involved with. Uh, I've been on some other smaller stuff, but nothing uh, that's real statuating. That was probably the biggest, uh, as far as I know. Uh, you know, it's one of the biggest uh, TV shows in the Philippines. So, and it also has a worldwide following. So, so boy. Uh... I'm just trying to wrap my head around all the changes that you've seen in the last 25 years going before. I mean, it's amazing how fast and how rapid all this stuff has kind of came to us. Well, what I've seen the change is, uh, of course, uh, equipment. There's a lot of uh, equipment now that's available to the general public if they have the money to buy it. Like I say, some of it might be good to use and some maybe not. So you have that aspect. So, you know, I don't really want to bash, you know, uh, other companies and, you know, people that have spent some effort and time to produce these equipment. I think, you know, if you try it out, that's great. If it works, good. So that's kind of my thought on it. Uh, You know, uh, reviews are always good. If you uh, check reviews, uh, find out how other people are finding these uh, new equipment. So that's one of the biggest changes. And, of course, the TV show came along. So I see now ghost hunting is a lot more acceptable than when I first did it. It was like uh, you're kind of treated as a bit of an outcast sort of or, you know, you're looked at kind of weird. But now it's very much like, oh, that's fascinating and so on. It it opens up a, a better conversation. And that conversation leads to people's ghost hunting stories uh, or I say ghost experiences. They've had either on holidays at a bed and breakfast or something like that. Makes me think of a story about this particular business owner who was a hundred percent skeptical of us going in to investigate. Right? Then didn't think it was necessary. The place isn't active or haunted or any of that stuff. Hey, Janice, come tell them these ghost hunters your story, though. And she'd right, and the employee would go by and have us tell us the story, and dismiss her. But that, you know, there's not much here. Bill, come here. These ghost hunters here want to hear your story. Every employee, there was ten, like ten people that were working there. She called over seven of them that had their own unique story, right? And I said, "You just had seven people tell us stories, but you don't believe anything's going on here." And she's like, "No, not really. But if you want to come in and poke around, I guess I'll let you sometime." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've met people like that too, and. You know, uh, managers at places like that, and they're um, when you're there is to kind of keep an eye on you and everything. And you know, their employees, uh, yeah, they're experiencing stuff. Um, I think sometimes it's a state of denial too with some people; they just can't handle it, so or they don't want to recognize it. So, what is okay? This is a bad question, but you'll understand. What is the most not necessarily like the name of the specific place, but the overall category of place uh, that is the most active. Because you've mentioned being in cemeteries and funeral homes, and I just can't, you know, like, 
What, what's your number well, one? Well, I've been in hotels uh, as well, and I've been in uh, pubs, bars uh, here in Canada. Uh, I've been in private homes, what can be very active, and sometimes private homes can have a lot of uh, undesirable energy associated with it. So sometimes it's a very heavy, dark energy from layers and layers of, uh, you know, of people that have lived there, especially if it's an older home or whatever. Uh, historical locations here in British Columbia I've been to, so I've gone to uh, Hat Creek Ranch, and that was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of like the Wild West thing. And uh, O'Keefe Ranch, that was another ranch, uh, more in the central interior, and that was pretty interesting. A lot of history there. And then, of course, downtown Vancouver, I've been to... Uh, Oh, it used to be the old courthouse. It's an art museum, and uh, it's also parts of it now are used by the University of British Columbia there, and uh, yeah, for their arts and graphics and that. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool place. Uh, they still have a lot of historical stuff intact to it. So, yeah, the courthouse part, uh, uh, that was really cool. So, okay, now here, here's the fun part of the sh- we're getting to the end of this. So, I like to ask random, not random, this isn't, the first one isn't random, but the next few will probably be um, questions. If I could Willy Wonka golden ticket you somewhere to go investigate, where would you go? Oh, like on your bucket list. Yeah. Uh, for me here, if it was in here in my area, I would say uh, Riverview because uh, that's a formal mental institution. Uh used a lot for the filming industry now but they have some sections that are still being uh, I believe uh, that are used uh, for outpatient stuff for uh, people with uh, psychiatric problems so uh, that would be probably that's a hard place to get into Uh, I think usually if they want you in there they want you to pay a big price to uh, film there so just like the movie companies do so you have to have big pockets with lots of money <laughs> but yeah that place would be uh interesting because uh there's been lots of stories uh, even the film crews uh uh they've experienced stuff there and i've known some people that work in the film industry and they've experienced stuff too personal experiences on site of doing filming there so, being a good paranormal investigator, you probably have your favorite breakfast cereal? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> no, not really. I'm not you, a big one. You're not a I, big... know where you're, I know where you're going with that. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll get you with this other question, then. Your favorite favorite beverage. It could be adult or whatever you want. Whatever, whatever, whatever your favorite beverage is. I'll shut up. Well, I'm a I'm a coffee drinker, so I like coffee. Uh, but yeah, I do like other beverages. Uh, I like I'm not a big alcohol drinker, uh, but if I drink a cocktail, say uh, I like vodka and soda, twist of lime. Yeah, summertime I'll drink beer more than I don't touch it very much in the winter months. So yeah, that's kind of where I am with that. Now this this one is. Obviously, well, I, I'm just not going to preference this one. Favorite TV show doesn't have to be paranormal. Favorite TV show? Uh, hmm. I really enjoyed. Uh, was it the one with Josh Gates? Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. I've watched it in the past. I really enjoyed. It. I just like kind of the locations that he went to. Des- uh, Destination Truth? Is that yeah, what you're thinking of? Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the name. I know I've watched it in the past and I, I just like the locations that uh, they go to. I think it was kinda cool. So when you're not out paranormal investigating, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Uh I'm pretty I like to stay at home quite a bit, but I do go out. Uh, I enjoy dinners and socializing with people, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I enjoy going to parks. I do a lot of walking in parks. Uh, probably people have seen a lot of my pictures of uh, on Facebook of uh, my walks. And 
out here we have beautiful mountains, so I'm always fascinated by mountains, so I take pictures and stuff like that, you know, those kind of things. Speaking of, thanks for drawing that one free. Where where can people, you mentioned Facebook, where can people find you to contact you if they have any questions or whatever? Well, I'm also on YouTube. Uh, I have uh, Can Dewey uh, YouTube, and then I put another one out uh, under William Hauser, so I'm kind of like an extension of the first one. And Auto Boom, I've uh, got a site there. Uh, I've done a little bit of podcasts on there as well. But I also have a lot of audio files that people can listen to uh, at their leisure of Ghostbox sessions and so on, of, you know, like uh, replies and stuff like that that are intelligible. Yeah, uh, Bill. Thanks what? for thanks thanks oh, for being yeah. on. Thanks for being on. No, don't worry. I I, I kind of free myself too because I was looking at the clock and I'm like, I I promised that hockey hot take and I don't want to take too long, but I don't want to push you off too soon. I'm doing math over here and it's like, oh, uh, he's done talking. I scared myself. That's always classic. Well, it's still early <laughs> here in my my neck of the woods. <laughs> well, I'm talking at the end of the show. I've got three minutes left. Yeah. So I'm gonna push you off and get to this hockey hot take unless you want to hear it. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll sign off and uh, just like to say bye to everybody. And uh, thank you, Jim, for having me on your wonderful podcast. Thanks, Bill. That's Bill Hauser of, like I said, good guy. Um, all the fun stuff. Okay. So, Geo Observation sent me a story this afternoon. I had not seen it until he sent it to me. Thankfully, he sent it to me. For you people out there who want my opinion on things, that's the best way to do it, because the world spins fast. But I saved this uh, observation, bad pun, uh, for the show, because it was obviously Tuesday, and I had the opportunity to do this this way instead of replying via tweet. He wanted to know what I thought about the Pittsburgh Penguins being sold to the Fenway Manchester United group. And I'm, I'm excited for two reasons. A, I, deserve, I think Mario deserves to cash out and enjoy his life. I guess he's still going to buy, be a minority holder and he's probably always going to be connected to Pittsburgh, even if he, I mean, it's, I mean, he isn't from Pittsburgh. He is a Pittsburgher though. He will always be a Pittsburgher. Um, but if he wants to move back to Canada or go South or whatever he wants to do, he's earned the right to do that. And so mad props to him for taking the opportunity to get the team sold, make, hand over fist um, good time to do it I mean I think I've seen a, a number around 600 million they they put up 130 to get in so man the money's there so I can't fault him one bit yeah the Fenway Sports Group Liverpool oh my bad sorry oh man somebody across the pond is gonna execute me for naming the wrong soccer team oh football team oh goodness I better quit while I'm ahead <laughs> my apologies but the Fenway Sports Group they, they seem to be doing good things they've also got the uh, partnership there with Roush and Brad Kieselowski and NASCAR so um, man good stuff there yeah I, I'm excited I think they'll I mean they've they've got traditionally good brands so I think the Penguins fall right in line with that and um, everything I've seen from the Red Stocks and I think Jack Roush is coming the right direction, so we'll see. I could be horribly wrong. But I think the Penguins are also going to end the, the period of time where they're going to have to rebuild a little bit. Malkin and Crosby are getting a little bit older, so be prepared, Penguins fans. It has nothing to do with ownership changing. It has something to do with father time. But enough random sports talk about my, my, my Penguins. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mount Report. Stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop. I hope you enjoyed this report. Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. A reminder, the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guest and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallard Report. Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of duckpondshop.com where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout, duckpondshop.com. Until next week, stay safe 
and keep quacking. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.